58% of 2,000 young people across Europe said that happiness was overwhelming the one thing that they deem success and the one thing they strive for. So if you want to engage and you want to communicate with young people, focus on making them happy. Warning. This podcast may include hard-hitting truths, shocking revelations, and outrageous social secrets. You won't see your life in the same light after this. But if you're ready to face the reality of an always online world, keep listening. This week on Social Minds, we sat down with Oli Yonchep, who is our own business director here at Social Chain. Now, we had one question for Oli, and it's quite a loaded one, and it's how to win the hearts and minds of a generation that expect it all. So it comes back to all things youth marketing uh, and speaking to millennials and Gen Z and everyone after. Yeah, obviously the social media landscape is very unique and Ollie's been doing a great job of speaking at marketing events and talks around the world, basically, uh, speaking to people, connecting them, them on how to engage millennials and Gen Z and even taking away these labels um, as we move closer to uh, a social media marketplace that is led completely by emotion. It's finding how do we tap into those emotions uh, to make a bigger impact for brands, basically, and stuff like cause marketing, where that comes into the picture and everything else that goes with it. So really, really interesting talk. And Ollie's got plenty of great points on this, particularly around the psychological theories that sort of drive our marketing. Mm. So on that note, with that bit out of the way, I'll ask you, as I always do, if you could please leave a review. It'd be very much appreciated. Hope you've been enjoying the podcast so far. Really hope you're going to enjoy this one. So yeah, if you listen on iTunes or anywhere where it's possible to do so, please leave us a review. Love to know what you think. And really, really hope you enjoy. How do you win the hearts of the generation that expect it all? Um, yeah, we, we start by saying that's a really loaded question. Mm. <laughs> it is, massively. Um, and, and what I suppose the question means is um, we have a generation of people that um, want a lot of things mm. out of life. Never mind they want a lot from businesses that they buy from or brands that they consume. Um, so... I think in, in sort of exploring that question, uh, Social Chain as an entity is a very youthful business. Um, and we've for a long time been associated with youth marketing. Um, although the vast majority of the work that we do doesn't necessarily have anything to do with youth marketing. Mm -hmm. um, but because it was the roots, we thought this year that we'd sort of revisit the youth marketing arena. Um, and I suppose in exploring that question, we went on to to look into psychology, what's different about young people. We looked at the environment, you know, the, the environment today has had a profound impact on all of us. We're in a very unique time in history. Um, it's a very unique time for marketeers. So uh, yeah, it, it was something that we started to explore as a business a little more. Um, and then I developed a talk off the back of that and, and that sort of evolved from there. And you were saying it's sort of like a unique position that we're in at the moment. Is that because, you know, when we talk about Generation Youth, they are, as you say, connected from birth. Mm -hmm. I mean, for, for instance, me, uh, born in 1992, I can't remember a time before computers. For somebody born, I don't know, today, they won't know a time before Instagram or voice or whatever it's going to be tomorrow. What, how does that how has that affected us really, would you say, for like a product of the 80s or the 70s? Yeah, I think um, I'm, I'm much like you, Theo. I was born at the latter end of the 80s, so 89. Um, so I remember a time pre-internet. You know, my youth wasn't didn't have the internet. I remember the dial-up pains yeah. of having to unplug the <laughs> yeah. phone to get onto the internet. Uh, but equally, we've seen the entire 
evolution of, of, of sort of technology and connectivity. And I think, uh, I think the biggest change that I suppose uh, I've noticed is just the volumes of information that we get at any one time. Mm. Mm. The singular messages. When you scroll down your news feed, um, you are seeing tens, if not hundreds of messages every minute, every mm. two minutes which, you know, that's definitely has a profound impact. I know my attention span. I know my thirst for information um, is definitely sort of exacerbated as a result of just constantly wanting something. If I have 10 minutes of downtime, you know, I'm like on my phone looking for mm. things to do or trying to get yeah, yeah, yeah. it. Um, so... Yeah, having and having witnessed sort of family, children that are in my family, um, having witnessed how they behave and how they're glued to their phones. Yeah, it's it's definitely had a profound impact on how we behave. Mm. Sorry, Sorry, if you carry on. You, you mentioned psychology before and mm -hmm. how you've take, taken learnings from that um, to decipher what makes young people so different. Can you share some of those? Yeah, sure. Um, well, there's two things that affect it's the It's the nature and nurture. So, yeah, in short, our brain is made up of three parts. Um, you've got the uh, primitive part of the brain. Mm. And, and we talk about that's kind of the part of the brain that wants to keep you alive. Um, then you have the emotional part of the brain, that's the uh, neocortex, uh, sorry, the limbic system. Um, and that's the part of the brain that makes you feel things, mm. happiness, sadness, and pretty much everything in between. And then the most evolved part of the brain is the CEO, which is the neocortex. And that's the part of the brain that spends a lot of time and resource managing the emotional part of your brain. Right. Um, and that is what we call the rational part. Um, when you look at young people specifically, uh, the rational part of their brain is in development up to the age of 25. Mm. Really? So yeah, all the way up to 25, you're not fully developed, which means... I'm still going. Yeah, I'm 25 now, so I'm just <laughs> So you're, you're really on the like... preface of, of kind of being rational. Not quite. You're I almost, almost rational. see that. Really <laughs> a grown-up. trying to make <laughs> grown-up decisions, but get them all wrong. Yeah, it's... Um, <laughs> And then when you look further, and, and there's a lot, of, a lot of studies into it, but the neurological response that um, means that you take, uh, you, you make, take riskier decisions, mm -hmm. um, it's also very similar to what everybody has when they're drunk. So a developing mm -hmm. neocortex is the, same, um, is the same neurological response as to what drunk people have. Really? It's so inhibitions down. Inhibitions down, you're a little more emotional. Why do people get a little more emotional on nights out? <laughs> Inhibitions are down. And that's all it's, it's to do with an enzyme that's produced in your brain. Um, so, yeah, all that stuff. Um, I, I've been fascinated with, with the idea. And in marketing, I, I'm a big believer that um, marketeers are obsessed with feelings and making people feel. Mm -hmm. But then I'm, I'm conflicted in that because um, I'm, I try and be a realist and go, why should anyone feel anything about a brand? Mm. You know, commercial motives, there's almost an agenda. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, looking into the brands that, that win today, uh, they definitely uh, are relatable to young people. Yeah. And they definitely connect with them on a, on a deeper level. 
for whatever that reason, whether they just do an amazing product or service or whether it says something about them as a human being. Like I'm a huge fan of what Nike is doing currently. Mm. I think what mm. Nike is doing now is amazing. Um, they've taken culture and they've hit the sweet spot. Um, and just, I suppose, to go back to um, the psychology, the other bearing on psychology is the environment. Mm. So we, we said before, connected since birth is 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 um a truth but the other thing is the environment that young people have grown up in is hugely negative and mm. um, whether that comes in the form of a tough economic climate whether that comes in the form of um, a politically divided society mm, mm. Um, whether that comes in the form of social movements like black lives matter me too mm. um, it's a very negative place but um, overwhelmingly what the research indicates is that this mass media negativity has had quite a, a strange impact on young people instead of putting young people down on, on one hand young people are, have lost innocence um and they're very skeptical towards a lot of things. Mm. So they're a little mm. mistrusting. They're mistrusting of brands. They don't like advertising. Um, a, a lot of things of that nature. But the impact is that um, young people are very pragmatic today. They're ambitious. They're globally aware. They're self-conscious. They don't chase status as often. Not everybody. Some people do. But um, they care about social issues. Um, and then what Nike have done have uh, in their recent work of you know, supporting athletes that have, have uh, are doing things uh, above what they're uh, doing things outside of just their sport and, and making a real difference, I think it's been amazing. Uh, and, and the sort of support, that that's where they've kind of got the sweet spot and why they'll connect with lots of young people as a result of staying relevant and culturally relevant. I'm, I'm not that familiar with what Nike's been doing at the moment. Um, Oh, it's like marketing. So Nike, um, so Nike have one of the most iconic uh, slogans of all time. Just, just do it. Yeah. Um, and just do it's always been about. Um, just do it as a, a phrase has always been about doing it for yourself. It's been very introverted. Like just do it. Go to the gym. Mm. You know, go for a run. Just, just do it. It's been a, a really purposeful statement to the business. Um, and then their latest campaign uh, started where they support um, a lot of athletes in general and they've come out and uh, their flagship campaign's been around uh, Colin uh, Kaepernick. And he's, uh, I don't know if you know much about the story around Colin Kaepernick. Mm. Mm. He's essentially been uh, one of the most vocal uh, proponents of the Black Lives Matter movement right. and he refused the to kneel at the national anthem right. as a result he's kind of somewhat been demonized in the sport and the speculation of whether um he's not playing for a club now as a result of his political actions right. so it's, it's been a big he's been ostracized they? to many degrees really? so what nike have done as one of his athletes they've put him front and center of everything they do um and i believe i could be quoted wrong um but it's it's this idea of um stand up for something that you believe in. Yeah. And that's kind of just do it. So they've now gone, they've taken what was like very personal, uh, personal actionable things to now talking about social movements mm. and possibilities and 
they really sort of romanticize the idea. So yeah, it's been really powerful and it's been systemic. Um, I've seen it shared so many times. Yeah, now now um, that you, you mention it a little bit uh, in a little bit more detail, I kind of remember seeing something on Twitter that I think people were taking the mick out of people who'd reacted neg- negatively to it. So people had been like burning night trainers and I was thinking, oh, what's going on there? And just kind of yeah. scrolled past, but... Yeah, the, been about that. love it or hate it, people are talking. And, yeah. and you've cliche. seen their profits soar on the back <laughs> yeah. of this, haven't you? Revenues absolutely soared for Nike and, you know, off the back of this, attaching themselves to a social movement. And uh-huh. you've had people like Serena Williams come out and say how brave it was. And it's, it's a fascinating case study. Um, and like you said, touches on um, sort of our social times and how we feel about that. I'm keen to take things sort of back to the principal question because you mentioned there, and I picked up on a lot of what you said, that, um, you know, youth today, we're, we're a product of our environment. We get up for a cause. You as a marketer, oh, how, how much of that do you sort of uh, read between the lines? And what I mean by that is I feel like a lot of young people these days, everybody sort of feels like, you know, we're the big cause drivers and get up and we don't like labels and all of this. Mm-hmm. But you still very much see on social media this um, behaviour play out that's very live your best life. It's all very superficial in Mm -hmm. a way. It's all very likes, shares, engagement baiting. And it's almost, you you could almost tar the majority of that, I feel. So how, how, how do they play together? How much of, how much of that do you sort of think? Like, is it, is it a case that we say one thing, but do another or? Are there elements to combine with all of that? Is that why you've got a cause marketing strategy in one instance and then you've got your big sort of hero content in the other yeah, kind of instance? I, I think there's there's two parts to that question. So in the example of Nike, when brands attach themselves to a social movement, it's very risky. Mm. But the way Nike did it was so authentic to them. Mm. It was kind of inherent in their DNA of what they're about. Just the, the, the strap line, just do it. Mm. You know, so it, it worked for them. You can go to the opposite end of the spectrum where there's huge backlash when Pepsi try and attach themselves to Black Lives Matter and mm. recreate a sort of movement with Kendall Jenner. Um, that didn't work because um, they worked with Kendall Jenner. It just didn't work because it was just a terrible idea. Mm. Mm. Um, and so it's, it's very risky territory. So I, it certainly doesn't play a huge part from a marketeer's point of view. I don't think it should. But to be successful in a social environment, we always talk about being culturally relevant. Mm, mm-hmm. That doesn't mean having to go after the big issues all the time. It it can mean going after the day-to-day, but just being relevant and timely um, and not being the brand that jumps on a conversation four days later. Yeah. Um, and then I, I suppose to go back to... Um, how we all behave and what we say we care about. Uh, I'm a big believer that human beings, it's really easy for us all to be hypocritical, not just young people. Um, A a young mind, when you talk about a young person, um, you're going through a lot of stuff. I've grown, we've we've all grown up uh, to some degree and and you're a different person every couple of years. Mm. Um, And I think going through your youth, you're constantly trying to find your identity and trying to figure out who you are. But part of the part of finding your identity is um, exploring new things or portraying a message to the world mm. that um, that that people believe is what the world wants them to be. Yeah. So that's why you have Instagram and everyone paints the perfect life. And on and on the back of that as well, us being you know the skeptical skeptical mm-hmm. bunch that we are, would you say that young people? because of the psychological reasons that you've laid out, would you say they are 
more susceptible to advertising despite not wanting to be than say an older generation say your parents age or or less because we always I suppose we always see youth marketing mm-hmm. as the big challenge mm-hmm. how do we speak to these kids how do we speak to these young people we 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 don't know it's for me it's only a challenge because if you think of the vast majority of businesses um, the reason social chain was very successful at marketing to young people is because it was young people marketing to other young people. Mm. Um, it's very easy to be patronising, um, you, you know, and I think you've got to sort of separate yourself um, and also put, putting people into boxes. I hate, you know, defining people by age or mm. profile. Uh, I'm a big believer in sort of mindset. I can have very common threads to someone who's 19 or someone who's 50. Yeah. Um, mm. And I think the mindset marketeer is everything today, not just going the 16 to 24-year-olds. Yeah. 24-year-olds can be vastly different to a 16-year-old. That mm. is not a category. Yeah. It's loosely defined as in you're going through similar things. But um, I, I just think the the rule book... Um, has to be rewritten. Mm. Same with millennials as well. I think that when people still use the term millennial as a blanket term, because it's actually the majority of people now, the generation's gotten that big. Yeah. It's massive. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, it, it's a strange. And, and businesses are actually, many businesses are fixated on youth marketing for one reason, a commercial motive. And that being the fact that um, as businesses, customers age, um they need to re-inject for sustainability and growth. They often need to re-inject um, more customers. Mm. And they see that as being young. And, it, and it's obviously got longevity and scalability. If your customer base is very young and they stick with you, um, you've got success for the next 10 years. Yeah. So it makes sense to have an introduction. That's why it's an important aspect of, of most businesses' strategies, depending on what they do. So despite what we say about brand loyalty and brand loyalty sort of running out, that is probably still a principal theme that kind of runs through whatever the age and whatever the medium. And Yeah, and yeah. I think brand loyalty is a, a weird one. So again, it comes down to um, why should anyone be brand loyal? I don't, mm. I don't, why? What, what do I owe a brand? I don't owe a brand anything. Mm. I, I, I don't need to be brand loyal. Um I think we're creatures of habit when you get in a habit. Yeah. Since I bought an iPhone, I've never deferred from an iPhone because <laughs> it I've never felt a need to. Yeah. You know, I do most of my shopping at Zara because I quite like Zara and they consistently deliver for me, you know. So <laughs> it's, um, yeah, I, I think brand loyalty, the, the, there's two things. Brand loyalty is a strange term, but I, I definitely believe we're creatures of habit. Mm. That's why. It's important, but yeah, as you'll see from the, the thing is about marketing. I, I'm obsessed with um, with psychology and, and and what it means to make people feel and things of that nature. Because um, all we are doing as as businesses or marketers, we're simply trying to understand people. Mm. That's all we're doing is understand people, and then how you then communicate with them. That's that's what advertising is. That's what the industry is. But yeah, um, I, I don't think you can separate the two. What what do you think is the most again it's another loaded question but what what do you think is the most powerful emotion to affect because naturally a lot of people will be thinking well you want to make people feel happy but as you've said anger can also play a big part in it so what 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 is the uh you know what is the heavenly sort of combination what what do you really want from so, an audience do you think? um there's tons of theories on this and uh there's a there's a, a 
a guy called Robert Plutchik, who was a leading pioneer, and he's created a hierarchy of uh, emotions and, and feelings, everything that a human being can feel. Um, and uh, the most powerful feeling any one of us can fear, uh, feel is fear. Um, and fear is something that businesses have used for generations, closing down sales. Mm. Mm. Uh, you talk about FOMO, fear of missing out. Yeah. The reason uh, the bodyguard is such a huge phenomenon is because um, it's all over social. People yeah. are talking about it. I don't want to miss it. I'm actually going to go and watch The Bodyguard. I've not watched it because I've just heard everyone talk about yeah. it. We're such tribal beings. We don't want to <laughs> miss out. And fear comes, fear's got a negative connotation, but fear's, it's not necessarily negative. It doesn't mm. necessarily mean in the horror capacity, but um, so fear is what many believe to be the most powerful emotion. Uh, but there's a whole hierarchy of um, anger is definitely something that you shouldn't leverage unless you're very, very well thought out. Mm. Um, in a social environment, I think being vanilla is the worst thing you can be. Mm. Whether you make people hang angry or you make people love you, I think that's where you, they're the spaces that you kind of need to be, whether you are, there's all these emotions that you can feel. But um, I'm a huge believer um, that um, equal to fear is, is happiness and giving value. Happiness is, is, is the thing that um, I think most brands should strive for. And I think that's the most scalable. If you were to attach yourself to a, um, a, 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 an emotion, it's probably happiness is a decent starting place. Yeah. <laughs> don't want to turn your audience off i suppose and no. we and, and we were we were having a brief discussion before as well and i was quite interested um because i've not thought about it before um my, my own experience i suppose only really working in social media marketing and i know you've worked in different aspects of marketing oh is the differences the the inherent differences of social media um from traditional forms so like tv mm -hmm. so i suppose the obvious example in this case would be uh if you turn on the tv and you know at some point in the half an hour episode it's slot you'll see an advert mm -hmm. but on social media we pay for these media spaces mm -hmm. but as you know it's the shareability the engagement the reach that play into that format so it's not almost i think in your talk you say it's not necessarily almost how much you spend it's the life that content takes on after yeah. that so has that um, affected things yeah 100 percent. social media is so unique um for many reasons so I'll, I'll talk about two things here social media marketing content marketing and um influencer marketing um social media is very unique as you said uh, in the sense that um i can put an advert on any billboard on any tv channel on any bit of programmatic display um and the same my budget will dictate how many people will see that advert. Mm. You know, in unique cases, it becomes shareable or mm. PRable, but generally speaking, um, the same number of people will see it depending on how many people I've paid for. Um, social media is very different. Depending on how many people comment, like, share, um, will dictate. So we talk about in, in a social world, creative is everything. Creative, context and relevancy. So I think they're the three metrics that we try and hold our standards to when we're producing things. Mm. In short, uh, creativity is everything in a social environment. Uh, we've got many, many case studies whereby we spend a little bit, but we reach lots of people mm. because the message carries. Um, and when you think about sharing, uh, sharing's an interesting aspect of social media because most advertising formats are broadcast only. It's mm. one-way communication. Yeah. Mm. I send a message to you, 
and you respond to it. Um, in a social environment, when you comment on something or tag someone in it or you share it on your page, it actually says a little bit about you as a person. It says, um, you know, this is my sense of humor mm. or this is my political view or mm. this. So people are quite precious now over what they share because mm. it says about them mm. as a human being. Yeah. And when you talk about young people and self-image and trying to portray, um, there's some fascinating, we've done some fascinating work around data um, and everyone wants to portray their best version of themselves mm. in many cases. Um, so a business came to us and, and was was getting some negative around one area of their business. Um, we decided that we would um, not, we decided we'd do some research and we looked beyond social and in a social environment, you would stop running this part of your business because it created so much negativity mm. because mm. everyone wanted to attach themselves to a cause mm. Um that they thought said a lot about them. Mm. They were, you know, the they were the the shining knight, and that's what everyone wants to sort of portray. And mm. um, when we looked outside of social in Reddit forums and other places, we started to see the net impact was very negligible. And actually, what that meant is that in a social environment, what people are sharing and what people are commenting, what people are doing, um, wasn't a true reflection of what people truly felt mm. about that product or that service. And it, again, it comes down to that. There's a level of hypocrisy mm. that we all have. Mm. You know, I, I'm not putting the, the the rubbish, stressful bit of my day. I'm putting my weekend in Barcelona on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's the thing that's making it up there. You know, the fact that I've, I was laid in bed with a cold all sort of week, you know, while I was there is, is irrelevant. You know, I got the, the beautiful shot, so... It says a lot about you. Um, the second thing I suppose I'll, I'll touch on in, in, in social media. So social media is very unique in that sense. Um, influencer marketing as well is very unique. So influencer marketing has become uh, this, this phenomenon, but it's also under extreme scrutiny now mm. and rightly so. Mm. Um, because all influencer marketing, we're in a unique age where um, there are hundreds of thousands of people with th that can broadcast a message to thousands and thousands of people. Mm. That's such a unique time. That creates such a fragmented media landscape. So the business world, the marketing world, has tried to work with influencers and treat them like media. The reality is they're not media, they're people. Mm. Mm. And people make mistakes and, and people can do amazing things and um, people are very varied. So um, we've got this area where the world is trying to conform influencer marketing to media but they're not media they're mm. they're, they're something different they're their they're own entity in its own right in the sense that they're an influential figure telling um, someone about a product or service and saying i recommend this i like this i use this um they're also producing something they're creating things they're very creative people and they also have an audience that they're speaking with. So in, in sort of standardizing them to other media, it's very different. Hence, I, I think for, for these two reasons around influencer marketing and social media, that's what makes it so exciting. Mm. It changes so much. There's so many unknowns. There's so much testing that still goes on. And hence why I, I think businesses like ours get so much fulfillment and joy because um, we're the people at the front end trying to figure this stuff out. Yeah. So yeah, anyone who works in social marketing is in a really privileged position right now, just as a result. I'm just hearing you talk then as well, I'm just fascinated as well by, like you said, the role that emotion plays within all of this. Not only have you got this fragmented um, 
media landscape, but it's so as much as the creative, it's so driven by emotions. Like even I'm mm. sure you're probably the same as me. Like you know, you've you've, you've it's, it's like we've said from day dot, isn't it? Deeper than engagement. Like you've you've got to see something that's going to affect you to to even share it mm. to to say one about your personality to say I because we can do that now I suppose uh -huh. you know through comments I feel this about this yeah. you know you don't even have to say that I suppose you could put a love heart or you can put a cry face mm. or you can you know emote that's why emojis are so mm. important I suppose when you think about it is do you think because of that it's it seems just sort of so like closely linked with social and because there's only let's say a certain demographic that's used to behaving that way or has maybe been trained to behave that way because of social, do you think leveraging emotion is more important or still important uh, when you're talking to older people rather than younger people? 100%, 100%. I think one of the biggest distinctions, and I don't like saying young and old, I don't like categorising, but I can just look from personal behaviour. Yeah. Um, my nan's on Facebook, she's 80 years old, um, And she, I've seen her click on ads. I've seen her, you know, do, do going, certain Aha, things. It works. I'm going, yeah, yeah. And, and just going, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot less skepticism. And mm. then that's where mm. I start to go, there's generational divides. Yeah. A young person that's grown up in that environment is very aware that an influencer is selling to them. Yeah. They're very aware that, and they, and they might be at peace with that as long as it's bringing value. Mm. But then I look at the generational divide. So, um, I think we, we always, as marketeers, um, I think we overcomplicate things. I think it's often always simpler than, than we make it out to be. Um, and it comes down to uh, a social environment is, is, at the minute, is simply an echo chamber. So it's the best of the world and the worst of the world in yeah. the same sentence. So um, human beings are emotional creatures. Emotions dictate um, how we think most of the time. Um, and again, it, it's, it's a bit like it's neuroscience. Um, the emotional part of our brain processes information five times quicker than the rational part. Hence why we always react before actually doing the right thing mm. in many cases. So um, if you just think of that and, uh, in a social environment, as I scroll through and something makes me feel outraged or something makes me feel happy or laugh or informs me or creates awe, um, I'm not overthinking that. I just feel something and I react. Mm. Whereas, so I think emotion in a social environment is very, very powerful, but it's equally powerful universally. Mm. Whether I'm doing a TV ad, um, whether I'm doing, and, and this weird, you've got this weird, you've got this weird uh, dichotomy now between social and TV as in um, really cool, interesting TV ads live on in volume on social environments. Yes, so there's like, yes, you know, yeah. really yeah. good outdoor advertising, really clever PR stunts. Social is the vehicle that ensures that lots of people see it. Mm. So, yeah, it's it's very much a central limp, a linchpin to many things right now. It strikes me, I'm like, <coughs> the, the, the phrase that they say, like, emotion is the truest form of communication. And now it seems, because no doubt your job is going to change very much in the next 10 years mm -hmm. with, with what we're seeing now with... with uh, everything from facial recognition and AI to, to voice. So we're getting to a point now where, I think I saw a news story the other day where it was like Spotify will start suggesting playlists based on your mood. Mm -hmm. And it won't just be you typing that, it would be like the AI picks that up. Or, mm. or, so how, how <laughs> obviously that, that emotion-led approach is going to be so much important. Um, 
What kind of challenges do you think we're facing going forward? What, what even is your opinion I, on that? I think it just adds to the marketeer's toolkit. Mm. If you can tap, if if you can tap into someone's mindset. So I'm in. I'm scrolling through Facebook, and Facebook recognizes that I look. I look moody, and then serves me a piece of content it, that made uplifted me, made me happy. That that's very different. Or if the reverse happens, I look really happy, and it serves me something that does the opposite. Mm. You know, I, I just think it'll just add a depth and layer to how we think and how we express whatever it is we're communicating. Um, I, I I've been fascinated with a, a lot of technologies, and as a business, we're constantly monitoring um, where we should invest our time because we, we represent lots of big brands and, yeah. and where mm. do we recommend? Um, and innovation's a real weird one because I'm a big believer that um, innovation is, 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 it doesn't care about anyone, it's, it's coming for everyone. But equally, when, when we look at brands and businesses that we work with, um, innovation isn't always the answer. I, you know, I, we, we look at um, search demand for certain when we start to launch new service and um, things like VR have been around forever. In mm. its current format, I'm a big believer that I don't necessarily see huge value in VR outside no. of an experiential environment just yet. Mm. That's not to say it won't be the case. Mm. Mm. Um, things like AR, I see immense value in. You know, when I open up an IKEA app and I want to look what my... Um, I want to look what a piece of furniture looks like in my house. Mm. That, that's fantastic. Um, in a Facebook environment, uh, if I can be served an ad in an AR and I can see what it looks like on, on the table or in my face by clicking through my camera, then suddenly it starts to get interesting. But um, yeah, that, that's where certain technologies can start to play a role. Um, but yeah, it, it's a strange one. We're always conflicting. I think our inherent behaviors as marketeers is always to move to the shiny new thing. Mm, yeah. Yes, yeah. definitely. We always go to the shiny new thing. <laughs> AI um, being a perfect example yeah. in ways. Mm. And, and then I just think it's about balance. But the thing that won't change for me is creativity and making people feel and just really good, interesting ways of communicating messages to mm. people. That's going to be the same. The, the field will change. The way we do it will change. The, the types of services and products we do will change, but I don't think that's going to change. That's no. the bits that's the constant for me. Seems to be a quality of successful marketers to, no matter what the landscape, always boil it down to that need for emotion, I suppose. That's why you get so many sort of old school brands who are quite sceptical when they see, like you said, shiny new toys. But it's interesting how much this emotion definitely plays out in uh social media so obviously um as a sort of closing point because we're running out of time unfortunately but you uh speak to the world's biggest brands every day what what nugget of truth do you give them when talking about um, emotion and winning the young generation what what would be your one takeaway and one piece of advice to them um Put happiness at the forefront of your decision making. That's the one thing. Um, we we look at a lot of youth research. There's an amazing piece of uh, research by Amplify called Young Blood. They're in their second reiteration. It's called Young Blood Two. Um, two years ago, um, happiness was the most important thing to a young person. Um, about forty, I think it was forty four or forty six percent said happiness was number one, um, and it equaled success. You fast forward two years and 58% of 2,000 young people across Europe said that happiness was overwhelming the one thing that they deem success and the one thing they strive for. So if you want to 
engage and you want to communicate with young people, focus on making them happy. And is that because we're in such... I, I really want to ask you this on the back of that. Is, is, <laughs> does, do you think that's because we're... Because we want everything. Because we're in such short demand, <laughs> I suppose, because, because, of, because of the points you laid out earlier in this podcast that we've been exposed to so much... Um, bullshit i suppose you could say you know this manuka these horrible things that have happened a recession are we all inherently striving for this piece of happiness yeah it's had the opposite effect the the world i I, i'm an optimist i'd rather be an optimist Uh, i'd rather be an optimist and be wrong than a pessimist and and be right you know so Mm -hmm. that's that's how i view the world um i i think young people today will will largely uh value things like happiness um, because of all the, the the negativity. And I think the big thing that we're moving into is an age of transparency. Mm. Um, we talk about authenticity being the most important thing in marketing today. Um, I think transparency and authenticity is hugely important and that's inherently linked with uh, just people being honest about what they want. Um, people want to be happy. It, it's as simple as that. So, yeah, I, I think if marketeers put happiness whether that's internally, culturally, whatever they do, or to their customers, they put that, they can't steer too far wrong. If you are consistently trying to make your customers happy through content, um, through influencer marketing, through giving value back, through making amazing products, if happiness is at the forefront, um, how can you go wrong? There you have it. Happiness is still key, whether social media, TV, whatever your channel. Ollie, that was fantastic. Thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Really enjoyed that. Enjoyed this episode? A like, a share, or a quick review will enable us to bring you hard-hitting truths and outrageous social secrets every week. This has been the Social Minds Podcast with Theo, Eve, and music by Pierre Flass.